For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. We're going in-depth on this story right now. Here's KRMG's Russell Mills to get the conversation started. Early in the process, I learned that no initiative petition in the history of Oklahoma that was completely staffed by volunteers has ever actually gotten an issue on the ballot. It was 2014 when this one started, and those volunteers were all over the place. I can walk into any quick trip right now and pick up. I can go into Payway. Just go into their kitchen and pick up some stuff that's going to kill me. I mean, we can't we can't be governed and policed every day of our lives. But state question 788 got the signatures it needed. The plan was to vote on this in November of 2016. Then the attorney general at the time, Scott Pruitt, tried to change the ballot title. Chip Paul with Oklahomans for Health was not pleased. In our minds, this is a valuable medicine. And in the, in the minds of 70 percent of Oklahomans, this is a valuable medicine that could be denied people who need it for an additional 90 days or whatever. Or so two years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It could be June or November of 2018 before we get a chance to vote on this. Pruitt lost that argument at the Supreme Court, but the delay kept the issue from going to voters for another year and a half, just as we predicted. For Heather White, the issue's extremely personal. She and her family left everything behind and moved to get the medical cannabis she says her son needs. As sad and horrible as it was to leave everybody we loved, we needed to do what was best for him and try the cannabis oil. So we just basically sold everything we had and picked up and moved to Colorado. For him, it apparently worked. But truth be told, U.S. researchers don't know much about the possible medicinal benefits of cannabis because the federal government lists it as a Schedule One narcotic. Can't be studied. I've spoken to doctors who really believe in it. Dr. Shivani Amin, for example, practices in Maryland. I am a huge advocate for cannabis as I've seen it firsthand, the way it can help people, especially with chronic pain management. She's among those who believe it's at least a partial solution to the opioid crisis. I started off doing some pain management a few years ago, and so I was able to see firsthand the opioid epidemic that we have going on in our nation. But many physicians remain unconvinced. Some who do believe there are possible benefits say the way state question 788 is written is much too broad, that it makes it too easy to obtain the cannabis and will have unintended consequences. Attorney General Mike Hunter. If we were able to propose to the public a very carefully regulated, carefully supervised, prescriptive approach to medical marijuana, I could be supportive of it. That's not what this proposal does. He's gone so far as to call State Question 788 Recreational Marijuana Light. For the KRMG In-Depth Hour, I'm Russell Mills. Well, we'll take your comments and questions about State Question 788 right now via the Nelson Mazda open mic on the KRMG app. Issues that matter to you. Expanded on the KRMG Morning News 8 a.m. in-depth hour. 804 Dan Potter with Rick Corey and joining us in the studio is, you just heard him there in Russell's piece, Chip Paul from Oklahomans for Health. Chip, welcome. Uh, thank you, Dan. Um, we're going we're gonna to explore this issue from many different angles. Uh, Chip obviously is for the passage of State Question uh, 788. In the second half hour, we'll spend a lot of time with Dr. Kevin Taubman um, out of Oklahoma City. He'll join us because he is with uh, SQ 788 is not medical. That's a group that is against this, uh, this referendum. Chip Paul, tell us why you're for it. 
Oh, well, uh, that's a kind of a deep question. And I, what I do every day for a living is I research something called the endocannabinoid system. And this is the medical system that cannabis affects inside of us. It's a very, very important system. It's not even taught, believe it or not, in any major university. We're actually working with a major university right now to build a class on the endocannabinoid system. And that it's not taught because marijuana is a Schedule One narcotic and therefore cannot be used for any purposes, including research, correct? Right. So let's talk about that because that's a, a really important point, and I'm sure Dr. Taubman and, you know, to people who aren't really well-educated about how drugs work, it's very easy to fool you, right? So the way a drug works is, is this. Um, you would have uh, research indicating that it was a medicine, right? And we, there's certainly plenty of research to indicate that marijuana is a medicine. You would walk into the FDA and you would say, I'm here, I'm ready to file something called an investigative new drug discovery document. You could have the biggest bag of money in the world and the best research in the world and walk into the FDA and say, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to research medical marijuana. They'd say, nope, it's federally illegal. We cannot even consider it in our research program. And so what that means is that marijuana cannot play in a normal drug world. So doctors cannot prescribe marijuana. They can only prescribe FDA approved drugs. And doctors cannot, or, you know, pharmacies can't dispense marijuana. They can only dispense FDA-approved drugs. Mm -hmm. So this whole argument about marijuana, you know, not being in the FDA system is, is really kind of a fool-ya argument. It can't be. The only thing that can be is something that's federally legal. And so the one kind of crack that uh, really marijuana advocates have been able to push with the FDA is CBD oil, mm -hmm. hemp oil. And that's now in stage three clinical trials with the FDA, so that will be a prescribed medicine soon. CBD, which does not have the uh, hallucinogenic, not hallucinogenic, the euphoric uh, chemical, the, the THC, that gives you the yeah. high and so, pot. Yeah, and, and that's exactly right. So interestingly, the way that this endocannabinoid system works inside of you is it's kind of an up-down regulation system, and it runs your immune system, it runs your feeding and craving, it runs your cognition, it runs almost, it's called really thought to be now your master regulatory system, but it works in an up-down fashion. So CBDs, for instance, are very good at deflaming, so helping with inflammation and things like that, but down regulation. But in order to upregulate, you need the other side of the equation. So you need things like THC, and that's what provides the upregulation. So there are certain medical conditions that absolutely have to have THC to be treated. Before we get too lost in, in all of that, let's, let's talk about what exactly State Question 788 would do. Okay. It would legalize marijuana, cannabis, um, and we can talk about how marijuana got to be called marijuana at some point during this hour, maybe. Um, it, would, it would legalize it for medical purposes in Oklahoma. Obtaining a state-issued medical marijuana license would require a board-certified physician signature. So, as you said, not a prescription, but you would have to have a license. A license would run two years. Mm -hmm. uh, people with those licenses would be permitted to possess up to three ounces of marijuana on their person and eight ounces of marijuana at their residence. A 7% tax would be levied on marijuana sales. Revenue would go to administrative costs, education, and drug and alcohol rehabilitation. Licenses would be required to operate dispensaries, commercial growing operations, and processing operations. Cities 
this is interesting, municipalities would be prohibited from restricting zoning laws to prevent marijuana dispensaries. Now, that's not clear to me as to whether they can... I think they can still zone dispensaries, but they can't make that zoning so restrictive that they push the dispensaries completely out of the city. That's, right. how, that's how I'm reading that part. Um, so the, the, I think the biggest problem that people have with this is the fact that there's no specific uh, list of the kinds of physical ailments that this would cover. It would be completely up to the physician to decide, yeah, you need a med- medical marijuana license. So, so, so let's talk that through a little bit because, you know, in a way we did kind of lead with the chin uh, with that, you know, in our law. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, this is a very valuable medical system that we're just beginning to understand the whole, you know, system that cannabis affects the endocannabinoid system. Mm-hmm. So to limit it with conditions, first of all, it, it would be a bad because idea. we don't know what it but, treats. Yeah, yeah. But let me, let me kind of get into a little bit deeper of, of why we did what we did. So I actually went and I applied for my medical card in California. I applied for my medical card in Nevada. I applied for it in Arizona, in a bunch of different states, Colorado. And the way that this works in other states, and no one knows this here. So again, it's this is another easy way to fool you, you know, because no one really understands this. But if you've done this, you would understand this. Basically, you're given a sheet of paper with a list of conditions and check boxes. And you check your box. So, Dan, you check your box and you'd give that to a physician. And the physician is has no legal or ethical bind. All he's saying is, yeah, Dan, I agree with you. Marijuana will work for that condition. That's it. That is the pin, linchpin of regulation in every other state. And I'm very serious about this. Mm. So when you look at permissiveness, that's just a little bit past really recreational marijuana. What we've said is we're going to do this different. We're going to put this right in the hands of the physician. And now, Doc, guess what? You're legally and ethically responsible for the decision that you make. And we've put this really in the proper regulatory environment because a physician is regulated. So even though we're doing a poor job here in the state, but, you know, if a physician is overriding opiate prescriptions or benzo prescriptions, then there's a state regulatory agency that should they can censure that physician. They yeah, can but pull their Chip, licensing. If, if 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 there's no guidelines as to what you can uh, not prescribe oh, okay. but license it for, right. how could they how could they regulate the physician? So, so, so again, let's talk about that a little bit. So in Colorado's original medical marijuana law, and I'll, I'm going to come sideways at this for a second. But okay. in Colorado's original medical marijuana law, it was a five page law. So when you build these type laws, you have to build it in kind of an umbrella structure. So all we've done is we've laid out this top umbrella. There needs to be thousands of pages of regulation, regulation, not law change, regulation under 788. And that hopefully will begin to happen in July. So we've already provided to lawmakers a PDR like guide that physicians could use, you know, to basically boundary this in. And that's what physicians are looking for. They're looking for their PDR guide, you know, of how to write. Physician's desk reference. Exactly, exactly. And there's all, you know, and and they'll say, oh, that doesn't exist. Well, really? Uh, Physicians are writing for this in Canada. They're writing for this in the UK. They're writing for this in other states. And that language certainly does exist. And we've already given that language to lawmakers. 
I talked to the state chamber this morning. You're going to hear from them later on. One of their concerns is they say this sets anyone with that prescription apart from other employees, that there are certain things you can and can't do with those people. What's that, the, your argument to that? Uh, yeah, I know. And, that and, you know, it's kind of sad that uh, the chamber is really making that argument. And I understand kind of where they're coming from on that argument. But we're an employment at – again, that's another fool you, right? It, we're an employment at will state. So, you know, if uh, – your company doesn't have very specific employment policies. You could basically be fired for any reason. So, so, you know, that's the way it is in Oklahoma. Now, if your company has very specific employment policies, certainly that perhaps allow you to, um, you know, you go out on a drug test, you test positive for a SSRI inhibitor, you have a doctor's prescription that says that that's okay, and your employer says, okay, we, we get it you couldn't the employer then couldn't discriminate against a medical marijuana patient and and that's all we've said in the law it's just you can't you can't single a medical marijuana patient out and discriminate against them we'll we'll get further into that in the exact language on 788 about that coming up in a moment we tell you the three big things you need to know every 15 minutes all day now back to the krmg morning news 8 a.m in-depth hour on news 1023 krmg I have been self-medicating with marijuana for over 20 years, and I cannot tell you how many things it helps with. Knee pain, back pain, stomach aches, you name it. It's an amazing thing. Pass it already. Teenagers don't need six plants of weed. Vote no on 788. Uh, six plants at home. Uh, what is it? Six? Uh, like six full-grown plants and four or five seedlings, I think. you can. That does seem, Chip, like a lot. Well... You know, it does seem like a lot, yeah, but when you're, um, when you go to the pharmacy to get a prescription filled, how, how long generally are you getting that prescription filled for? Well, these days for a painkiller, it's going to be a week, uh, most, yeah, right? Yeah, but, but generally, you know, it's 30 days. And so it, we try to consider what's the most extreme case of treatment with medical marijuana, and that would be a cancer patient. And how much would that cancer patient need for a 30-day supply? And that's how every single one of those limits are based. And it turns out, believe it or not, this whole thing that the uh, uh, OBN is putting out about a 100-pound producing cannabis plant is ridiculous. Industry standards are that a cannabis plant will produce about a pound. No home grower will be able to get a pound out of anything that they produce in their home, you know, grown inside. So that actually is not even, it does not even equate to the other limits, the six plants. It would actually be more like 12 plants. But again, we, we drew a line, you know, believe it or not, even though these do seem like high limits. So that's half of enough for a cancer patient six adult plants. Chip Paul is with Oklahomans for Health. They are for passage of State Question 788. He's with us for the first half hour of this KRMG 8 a.m. in-depth hour, and then we'll be joined at 8.30 by Dr. Kevin Taubman. Uh, he'll be joining us by phone from Oklahoma City. He is with State Question 788 is not medical. That is the uh, one of the groups opposed uh, to this. Um, we, when we when we broke, we were talking about employers and, and how they're going to have to cope with this. Rick, you talked to the chamber. Um, what are their concerns? Well, Adria Berry is the woman who is in charge of government affairs there. And one of the biggest concerns is just that it's 
they, they think that the bill is poorly written, and that's where it begins, but listen to some of our other concerns. The State Chamber of Oklahoma, we do represent businesses across the state. We don't actually have any policy for or against medical marijuana, and we're not medical experts. We uh, have a problem with the language of this specific state question and wanted to make sure to get out and educate voters about what this state question says so they would know that there are some major problems with it. Um, it's truly not about medical marijuana. It's about a bad state question, and it doesn't provide clarification and safeguards that Oklahomans truly deserve. There is language in the state question that would provide an extra level of protection for medical marijuana license holders, meaning if an employee comes to work having ingested marijuana just before coming to work, an employer is not allowed to drug test them, they're not allowed to fire them, or make any disciplinary decisions based solely on the fact that they have used medical marijuana. So this puts medical marijuana license holders on a different playing field than the average employee. So an employee who is using opioids or alcohol can be disciplined or fired immediately. This state question gives extra protection in Section 6B of the state question specifically, um, saying that an employer cannot discriminate against a person and they can't take action against a holder of medical marijuana license. There's nothing in this state question that talks about dosage or types of marijuana, that just causes a lot of, it gives us pause. It makes us wonder, are we just unleashing this broad legislation on the state of Oklahoma with really very few safeguards in place? Further, the very quick and unrealistic implementation timeline, the State Department of Health would only have 30 days after passage to begin implementing this program. That, you know, it's really unrealistic and it's unreasonable considering the rollout of the alcohol modernization, which, you know, alcohol was already heavily regulated, they gave themselves 18 months to roll out the new program to to further regulate alcohol. So the state chamber, obviously, with some concerns, uh, reflecting the concerns of business across the state. That's Adria Berry, Vice President of Governmental Affairs for the Oklahoma State Chamber. Our top story on the KRMG Morning News with Dan Potter. It's an 8 a.m. in-depth hour as we explore the pros and cons of passing or not passing state question 788. That is the question that would legalize medical marijuana in Oklahoma. It will be on the ballot 11 days from today, two weeks or one week, rather, from Tuesday is when we will vote. Now, it's a primary for the candidates, and uh, the top vote-getters will go on to a runoff or to the general election in November. But for this question, it's yay or nay, and the results will be determined on that Tuesday, June 26th. There's no runoff. There's no on to the general election. It's one vote and done. And this has been a very passionate issue for just about everybody, Dan. As a matter of fact, so passionate that uh, yesterday I got an email late in the afternoon from Chief Joe Prentice from Mulgee, and he, he's the police chief, and he said, I hear you guys are doing a show about this. And I said, yeah, we, we certainly are. And he said, I'd, I'd like to send you some information. So I had him send the information, and he wanted to tell me what he's most concerned about. When I talked to him this morning, what's really fascinating is a trip he took to Colorado. Listen. Within the last several months, I had to travel to Colorado for a murder trial. I spent a few days in Boulder, Colorado. During my downtime, I visited several different um, business establishments, and I made it a point to go to a marijuana dispensary because I am concerned marijuana is going to be legalized in Oklahoma, and I just kind of wanted to have some kind of idea 
what that was going to look like. And I went to a marijuana dispensary. I had a conversation with the lady that works there. She described it as the best thing that had ever happened to Colorado and Boulder specifically, and that money was raining from the heavens, and Boulder, city of Boulder had so much surplus money they had to buy cars they didn't need. And I'm quoting her as closely as I can remember the conversation. Well, I left there, and I went to another business establishment not related to marijuana, and then I went to another one, and then I went to another one, and then I met with the prosecutors, and then I talked to some of the police officers in Boulder. The information I got outside the marijuana dispensary was pretty consistent and 100% opposite of what the lady in the dispensary told me. One gentleman told me the only thing that Boulder, Colorado has more of now than we had before they legalized marijuana is homeless people. The... Um, prosecutor that I visited with told me that since the legalization of marijuana, they've had people migrate from other states to Colorado. And we're talking about Boulder County specifically because that's what he dealt with. And many of those people are homeless. Their crime rate has increased significantly. Their violent crime rate increased significantly, which kind of surprised me because I've got 32 years in law enforcement and never known marijuana to be the driving factor behind some type of violent crime. When I pointed that out to him, he said, it's not the drug itself. It's the money that it generates. And that they still have a huge black market problem with regard to marijuana. What's your biggest concern as a law officer there? Is it just the drug itself spreading or is it the other problems that come with it that you've described? I think there's going to be a lot of unintended consequences to the legalization of marijuana and that the voters should educate themselves to the experiences of other states. The tax revenue that everybody talks about is just not there. It's not the windfall that everybody thinks it's going to be. And let's face it, it is still illegal federally. Drug dogs currently in use will either have to be retired or in some form or fashion desensitized to marijuana. Because if it is suddenly legal to possess marijuana, a drug dog alert, how would you know whether it's marijuana or some other drug? Okmulgee Police Chief Joe Preps with something I hadn't heard anybody bring up until now. And he said desensitizing a dog to that's really difficult. Well, I would imagine so. So then if it hits, you know, you still, those other drugs are still a part of that. You have to train them brand new to only go after certain things. You know how much money that might cost? What do you think? Uh, here's a little bit of what we're getting via open mic this morning. Why worry about regulations at this point? Because we don't have all the facts. Plus, we do know it can't hurt you. You all may not realize the large but unknown number of people that have a genetic dispensations towards drug dependency. And marijuana is a gateway drug for a lifetime of it. And I have personal experience with that. I would bet a thousand dollars that the people that are against marijuana and state question 788 have a drink every evening or on the weekends. Alcohol's ruined more lives and killed more people than just about any substance. Marijuana has never killed a single person. We'll take your opinions via the Nelson Mazda open mic anytime. Just launch the KRMG app and hit that big red button. Dr. Kevin Taubman is with State Question uh, 788 is not medical, a group opposed to passage of uh, SQ 788, and he joins us live by phone from Oklahoma City right now. Good morning, Dr. Taubman. Good morning. Actually, I'm in Tulsa. Oh, you are in Tulsa. Well, we, we should have had you in here. We could have had donuts. It would have been great. <laughs> he was in surgery. Yeah. Well, were you, were you <laughs> exactly. literally in surgery before you came to the phone? A few hours ago, oh. I had taken care of some things. So. Okay, good. Well, we're, we're glad to have you here. Why should voters vote no on SQ 788? 
Well, I think it's a, a complex issue to, to be sure. Um, in initial follow to what I just uh, heard a comment about the, the fact that marijuana has never killed anyone, I would answer by, by the fact that I would agree that there's nothing in the medical literature that ever has cited that there has been a direct death related to marijuana, meaning uh, that it puts somebody immediately into cardiac arrest or anything like that. On the other hand, there is plenty of data, both on the national public safety uh, websites and local state websites, as well as within the literature of medicine that demonstrates that there are a number of severe indirect effects. Um, Colorado, for example, has demonstrated, as well as some other states, that since the time of, of upregulation, or sorry, of downregulation of certain uh, uh, forms of marijuana being distributed, car accident rates, uh, ER visits for uh, toxic ingestions leading to psychotic breaks and other horrible GI side effects are certainly on the, on the rise for the last few years. So again, I think when you, when, when you take the simple statement of that nobody dies from marijuana, I think that's an overstatement. There are plenty of uh, cited uh, circumstances where vehicular crashes have led to death and other factors. So there is a public safety component to this that needs to be compared. Do those concerns outweigh, though, what we're hearing from proponents who are saying are the medical benefits from this, whether it's evidential or, or anecdotal? I think that's a great question. And uh, the point I was going to get to here is when you start looking at why this is not a medical marijuana bill is the fact that we're not looking at a circumstance where you have a list of direct conditions, number one, that patients have to meet to be able to receive that therapy. Number two, if you dive through the, the valid medical literature, there is no randomized data that demonstrates the efficacy for marijuana in most of the conditions that the, the coalition for 7088 has been citing. The other thing to consider in the midst of this is the fact of the way doctors and patients are supposed to interact. If a patient comes to my office and they have high blood pressure, I identify it by a diagnostic methodology to confirm the fact that they actually have that diagnosis. We enter into a treatment plan with specific therapeutics, particularly medication therapeutics approved by the Food and Drug Administration that have gone through rigorous testing, scientifically randomized controlled trials before they were ever released to the general public. And again, to be fair about it, that's not to say that the FDA has been perfect either in its you know, 75 plus years of existence. But prior to the point that the FDA existed in the early part of the 20th century, our country and many countries throughout the world were plagued with individuals that most of your audience will know the old phrase snake oil salesmen that could come into your town, come into your community with a horse and buggy, could flip down a banner and say, drink this toxin, drink this elixir, and the next thing you know, you're just going to be cured of anything and everything that goes along. The point would be in that is that if we're going to treat a patient, there has to be an expectation that what we're applying to the patient has to be scientifically rigorous. The same circumstance also has to do with the fact that we have a dose that we specifically understand if we give it for that individual, whether it be weight-based or otherwise, what the pharmacotherapeutics are going to be, the various steady states that have to be achieved to achieve that therapeutic benefit, and monitor for side effects that come along. Because to say that marijuana itself has no side effects, let, let's all be honest in there, it, that's just not the case. But at the same time, for any medical treatment, the patient needs to be following up on a rigorous basis. You have to be in, a, in our world of medicine, we have to be documenting what is going on with a patient. We have to document the fact whether there is true benefit. We have to have as much objective as, as subjective circumstances to demonstrate what's going on. And then over the course of time, adjust those therapeutic strategies. Medical marijuana in any state never follows that circumstance, but 788 in Oklahoma clearly doesn't. 
You can walk into any person's office who is labeled, quote, a physician in our state that has prescription. Well, not just labeled, but licensed. No, no, no. It's, it, there's a difference in my world. An MD or a DO is, is, is a physician who has gone to medical school. They have gone on after that to have certified residency training. They've gone on to achieve board certification in our respective fields within medicine. The state of Oklahoma has a very liberal scope of practice that defines what a physician is. That includes a number of individuals who are not MDs and DOs, okay? And some of those individuals specifically do have prescriptive authority. These are not individuals who've gone to medical school. They have not had the rigorous years of training like the average MD or DO, even just going into primary care. Well, who are you talking about here? Are you talking about you've psychiatrists? Got, you've, you've got, no, a psychiatrist is a physician. That's yeah. an MD or DO. Okay. We're talking about people, and again, it doesn't mean that they are, are uh individuals not capable in their own field, like a podiatrist, okay, or an optometrist. These are capable individuals in doing what they do. But because of the nature of what goes on, they in our state have been able to gain prescriptive authority for a number of circumstances. I just heard a lecture a few weeks ago from one of the country's leading experts in glaucoma, because as we all know, we've heard that statement for many decades that marijuana cures glaucoma. The reality is there is research out there to demonstrate from a real scientific basis about how those mechanisms, if they existed, might be. And the reality is when we look at the dose relationship to achieve any change physiologically, you effectively have to be ingesting or smoking almost around the clock to achieve a steady state level that is going to have any benefit. And this is coming from people who have themselves as physician scientists been interested in the area to look at. it. So again, there's a lot of circumstance here where there's plenty of anecdote and, and, and claims, but we do not have the rigorous science to demonstrate the fact that, one, there is benefit for a lot of the conditions, and two is the fact that even if there might be some benefit in a scientific basis, in a laboratory basis, that we can translate that to the circumstances for the person, with a few exceptions. We tell you the three big things you need to know every 15 minutes, all day. Now, back to the KRMG Morning News, 8 a.m. in-depth hour on News 1023 KRMG. I believe there are conditions where medical marijuana can help, but the concerns addressed this morning are are concerning. Um, if the question does not pass this time, can these concerns be addressed and it be put on the next ballot? The argument that the Chamber of Commerce is using isn't a valid one. Oklahoma is a right-to-work state, which means any employer can fire any employee for any reason at all. So help bring some relief to Oklahomans who are suffering and vote yes on state question 788. The initiative would forbid employers, landlords, and schools from penalizing people who have a medical marijuana license. Mm -hmm. So if you get the license, you couldn't be penalized. You couldn't be fired just for having the license. However, they can still drug test. And if, if, if you're at work and found to have THC in your system, and it stays there for a long time, I suppose they can make an argument, even if you smoked it three days ago or ingested it three days ago, it's still in your system. Therefore, you're under the influence. Therefore, you're fired. Well, and I, I so think I think employers have a little bit of wiggle room under the right to work provisions. But that's the thing well. the chamber is worried about is whether or not that's the case. And you know, the, the we had the caller or the open mic earlier that said, "Do you want your you know pilot or someone like that to have yeah. had someone working on your car?" Yeah, you know, those situations. And there are a lot of there are just so many fingers to this thing. Employers would be allowed to penalize license holders who possess or use marijuana while at work. The initiative would guarantee that holding a medical marijuana license 
does not preclude parental visitation or custody of a child. That's important. So your ex-spouse couldn't say, hey, he's got a medical marijuana license. He can't be allowed to see the kids. The law would address that. And the thing you said there a second ago is only while at work. So, again, you go back to how long before that. I mean, there are a lot of things not spelled out here. So how's this shaping up? I mean, is it going to pass come a week from Tuesday? Well, according to the Sooner poll, um, if you combine everybody who strongly supports and somewhat supports state question 788, it is by far the majority, almost 60%, 57.5% either strongly support or somewhat support uh, this state question. Uh, the combined opposition, about 30%. So it's two to one right now. You know, it, I, I'm not terribly surprised by that because I, Brian Kilmeade, I thought, brought up a great point this morning. And you heard us talk to Brian twice this morning already. And that is that the shift of the nation is this is likely inevitable in every state. Mm-hmm. And the, the chips are already starting to fall. What you need to do now is is get yourself in line to make sure that you do it as best you can do the it. The smartest way possible. You heard Joe Prentice say he doesn't think that Colorado's done it the right way. Oklahoma needs to if it's going to happen. It's interesting how this splits out on uh, party lines. It, it may be a little unexpected. Among Republicans, 48.5% support it. 48.5% uh, of Republicans support it, the state question. 67% of Democrats do. 81% of independents do. I'm not terribly surprised by that, actually. Uh, 50.7% of self-identified very conservatives opposed it. 32% supported it of a very conservative. Okay, but that 32% of very conservative, that's a telling number for me. Mm -hmm. And 63% of somewhat conservatives also supported it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.